0: Hi there. Where?
1: Got him. They've got him.
0: Hot on the trail of Trump going to jail. Kimberly Guilfoyle, Worst Nightmare Exposed to New Release Deposition Testimony. Just, re- just posted a few minutes ago. Because it helps track down and cancel unused subscriptions.
2: I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. This Kimberly Guilfoyle deposition is Dark just oil. devastating and humiliating. Tell us about it. Or, I mean, potentially talk about the criminal implications, She was clearly evasive and lying to the January 6th committee questioner, but it's just humiliating and embarrassing. Kimberly Guilfoyle before stepping into MAGA world was a respected prosecutor before pivoting to Fox and all of this. And so to just see this weird bizarreness is frankly really sad. But let's just explore what Kimberly Guilfoyle said in her deposition before the January 6th committee. If we turn to page 271 and 272, she talks about the speech that she gave uh, at the ellipse on January 6th. And what she says at line 17, she goes, Yeah, there's some time that passes because that's how it always does. The president likes there always to be music. He has a soundtrack that he plays of his pre approved song that he plays at every rally every once in a while to make changes to it, etc. And he likes to do that, build momentum. And then he gets up and does his thing. And that's just how it is. So then the question is, I'm just trying to figure out the timeline. At this point, when you finish your speech, you're hanging out in the tent, right? Answer. Freezing and dying, hoping he comes. Question. I think this is when I believe the video happens that Don from Don Jr. is filming. Is that right? Answer yes, because they're playing the music, right? Which is the president's approved soundtrack of songs, and one of them that plays at all his rallies, besides YMCA is Gloria. I don't know what the name of the song is and they go on i think it's ymca by the village people and then she goes have you watched any trump rallies and then the person goes no it's actually a song i believe called gloria i believe the name of the song is called gloria oh yes that is the song the 80s pop song thing yes but also plays ymca and then she goes on to say, it's a very distinct soundtrack that he, I believe, he has a heavy hand in. So Miss Guilfoyle, exactly, based on what we understood, is this correct? And so this is Kimberly Guilfoyle's response to the January 6th committee lawyer asking her these questions. He goes, She goes, so they played that, and I am a child of the 80s, and so I like that. And Don's like, princess, I think he said, princess, you know, show us your dance moves. And I'm a good dancer. This is what Kimberly Guilfoyle is doing on January 6th leading up to the insurrection. And she's talking to the January 6th committee about what a good dancer she is. As we go through other portions of the deposition testimony, she really tries to evade how important it was for her to get paid the approximately $60,000, but the January 6th committee lawyer really kind of drills down on the fact that she was paid this money. Not only was she paid this money, but she specifically asked for this money, and in fact, she said um, no matter what, whether she speaks or not, she wanted to get paid the $60,000 from Turning Point, which is Charlie Kirk's organization, the MAGA extremist to invoke the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination to every question that uh, he was asked. So as we go to page 36 and we go to line 18 the questioner starts talking about these speaking fees and it says the lawyer goes, okay, so yes there are speaking fees at January 6th and then Kimberly Guilfoyle goes, I cannot say that there are speaking fees for January 6th because we also spoke in December at a Turning Point Action Turning Point USA event student action committee question, just give me a moment we have a copy of the invoice that was created, yes, and to be clear I did not create the invoice Voice. Yeah. And then they go down, as we, as we look down, we can go to page 38, and the questioner, the bottom of page 37, the lawyer says, Okay, and we'll talk about this, but while we have the exhibit up, if you can look at the middle of the email, you respond, you say, Quote, so actually we're going ahead and we're going to invoice $60,000 to True Media. Just by the way, True Media is Kimberly Guilfoyle's LLC, it's her pass through LLC. And in the same email, she writes, I talked to Don for Kimberly Guilfoyle, Donald Trump Jr. for Wednesday, January 6th, and I will just 1099 him and I'll wire money. So it's my true media LLC and Chase bank account number and routing. And Rebecca, you have it. Thank you so much. Question. So I just want to ask pieces about that with regards to where you wrote, I talked to Don. I'm assuming that's Don Jr. And the questioner goes on to say, and for Wednesday, January 6th, so Kimberly Guilfoyle, you were specifically identifying that this payment was for january 6th answer that's what it says here yes because kimberly gilfoyle was trying to uh, avoid saying that it was for january 6th and so eventually she had to be reflective of what the document actually said one of the other things that she acted like in her deposition Is that she didn't know what was going on, or that she had no involvement in anything? And yet, there's messages saying KG, which is her initials, you know, wants to make sure that Steve Bannon is involved in these discussions. And when she's confronted with that, she goes, "I can't recall. I don't know." So if we go to page 233 and we go to line 21 in the deposition, the question is, "Do you remember having any discussions with uh, Trump or any of?" The family members regarding the legal options available on January 6th Answer: no, because that wasn't something that I would have gone over or discussed because I actually didn't understand it myself she says then she goes on to say as we go to page uh, 234 she goes yeah information out there like that but I don't know what it is the president felt that the election was rigged and stolen and that he wanted all legal and lawful votes to be counted and for unlawful votes not to be counted so that's where his head was in the general election question do you remember proposing to anyone who would have been been around mid December 2020 that Steve Bannon and the president should meet to talk because Mr. Bannon had information regarding next steps to stop the steal answer from Kimberly Guilfoyle I don't recall anything about stop the steal and the questioner pulls out an exhibit 44 which is a text message from John McEntee um, who's listed as Johnny Mac and someone um, else in the administration or was an advisor and it says KG referring to Kimberly Guilfoyle wants Steve and POTUS to talk Steve has three next steps that he can take to stop the steal also also says he needs to meet with Navarro, who has gone over numbers. Steve would be free to talk with him, of course. Thoughts? And McEntee says, I will relay to the boss what's the best number for Steve if he decides to call. And then I understand that's probably the name that Miss Preet gave for Mr. Bannon. And then the response by Kimberly Guilfoyle is, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. And if you'll recall from the deposition of Cassidy Hutchinson, Cassidy Hutchinson said that what the Trump lawyers were telling them to just say is, we have no recollection, to just basically deny, 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 and say that we have uh, no recollection at all. And we go to just page um, 264 of the deposition. And in 264, line 12, we have Kimberly Guilfoyle sharing her views of the election. And she goes, Yeah, I don't know the challenge it forever, people. I mean, you know, you look at the facts, you look at evidence. You would want to make sure the election was, you know, fair, that there were legal ballots cast. And I think it was concerning. And it still is concerning that President Trump, you know, received 13 million. Million more votes in the 2020 election than he did in 2016. So that would make him the first, you know, American president to lose an election receiving more votes than he did in his first term. And having been traveling across the country with him at all these rallies, all of these stops, I mean, we did thousands and seeing the enthusiasm and just the lines all the way out, down the streets, down freeways, people waiting days ahead of time. It was unbelievable the amount of enthusiasm more so than you know we even saw in 2016 and the people and the support he had. So it just did not make a lot of sense to see that Joe Biden, who could barely like hardly any people, to could barely get like hardly any people to come to any of his events, all of a sudden turned out all of these votes. So that's her proposition to the January 6th committee. So it just did not make a lot of sense to see that Joe Biden, who could barely get like hardly any people to come to any of his events, all of a sudden, And turned out all of these votes. That's on page 264 and 265. And then you go to page 236 and, you know, someone, again, she's a lawyer, she's in the know, and just to see her complete lack of transparency with the January 6th committee, um, one of the things that uh, is asked is, question, okay, did you ever have any discussion with people who were alternate electors, either on or before January 6th, her response was, what's an alternate elector, question, well, have you heard the term before, answer, Alternate elector? Question. Yeah. Answer. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I really don't know what it is. Question. Do you have a general understanding of what people mean when they say that or what they're referencing? No, not really. I don't. And then the the questioner goes on to explain, but you see here again, just a combination of the kind of lies, weirdness. Living in this MAGO echo chamber, I mean, they're talking during an insurrection about YMCA and she's so proud that she's a good dancer. And the fact that Biden's rallies were not as big as Trump rallies because people who voted for Biden weren't part of a cult, that that was the basis for her to say all of these things. (laughs) The fact that there's communications with her or about her referencing Steve Bannon, she denies them and says she doesn't recall. And even when it comes to the, you know, fee itself, she acts like, uh, you know, it wasn't for January 6th. So the questioner has to then show her, no, this specifically says January 6th. And she goes, well, because that's what it says. But that's what we're dealing with here, folks and this is what MAGA extremism is weird liars just desperate very 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 sad to see this you know and um you know, but it is what it is we'll call it out here on the minus touch network and she is an extremist uh, liar and traitor to this country i'm ben micellis from the midas touch network hit the subscribe button we're on our way to one million subscribers thanks to your support and in addition to hitting the subscribe button Check us out at patreon.com/touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com/touch. We have lots of exclusive content there. Most importantly, help grow this independent. Until next time, I'm going to Midas touch is unapologetically pro democracy, and look, we know you are too. So please make sure you check out our best-selling shirt and our best-selling gear. The unapologetic. Right. Let's see
0: what else. Hmm.
3: Provoking concerns. Do you think the world will end due to the fulfillment of predictions in the Book of Revelation? Is there any other evidence warm water
0: before bed, fixes tooth and gum problems overnight? Cosmic Secret, I've already covered that. I am finally proven guilty. I think I already watched this. Live. Zero 20 Instant Apocalypse Attacks. Your name is Randall Carson.
3: We are live, Kyle says everything is not fine, but we are live, so that's good. We're all alive. We are. Welcome! Ladies and gentlemen, Cosmographia live episode. Live? The, you mean live? Uh-oh. The 20th live episode. We're back. We are back. <laughs> we were in the Seems like an eternity. Yeah, we were in the Gablands, or we in Egypt, so it's been a long time. Florida, Tennessee, Texas, uh,
1: where else? I know there's been a few other places. back. Uh,
0: And huh? You're
3: fighting, okay. Allah, Steve Martin? Well, if you, if you talk to Yusuf, he says that walking like an Egyptian is the position you have to take to crawl down the, the pyramid uh, descending passages. That's walking like an Egyptian. Ah. Which is a very cramped and strange position to walk in. Very awkward. Yeah, extremely awkward. And so you guys went down into the bowels of the pyramid? We did, that, many of them. Yeah, we went we did uh we did uh middle pyramid which is Khafre, we did Susu, uh the great pyramid, and we did uh the bent pyramid. we did mm-hmm. the red pyramid. Uh and we went beneath the step pyramid of as well. Mm-hmm. Any, did I miss any, Fred? No, no. Well, there were six of them. Did you, you read lot five there? Maybe you missed one. Did I miss one? Kari, did you do that? We went to Menkari and navigated it, but we didn't go inside. Yeah. and killed yeah. them.
0: Okay. Okay. You, you must have got them all. Yeah. Yeah, we had extraordinary access to many places, and, uh, yeah, it was just way beyond anything I could have ever expected. These these guys have been before once, right? Or was it twice already after your second or third time there? So they kind of knew what they were getting into, but, uh, I just kind of kept open and soaked it all in and, uh, it, it was managed so well. I was very impressed. Um, you know, the hotels were great. The transportation was excellent. So, so it was crazy getting around 20 million people with uh, no traffic lights and no stop signs. That was a, that was wild to try to integrate into my consciousness as somebody that always drives. Um, but yeah, we just, we had, access to places that's not open to the public we had private access into multiple places um we got into the, the sphinx temple which is right in front of the sphinx not the valley temple but the sphinx temple you can walk around it and see down in it but apparently the uh gates have been welded shut for 50 to 60 years and, and our guide used to have never even been in there so uh it wasn't anything crazy outstanding and, and you can't see in the from overhead, anyway, but but yeah, we that was just one of many places that we were able to access, and uh, so as, as a group, I feel like we had you know, really, really special care taken of us, and uh, just had a better time, it's just amazing. And
3: uh, well, it's always like the yeah. Biggest, yeah, it's awesome group of mm-hmm. yeah, and many familiar faces, people who've been to with the with us to uh, Montana, so it was great. I believe you did Karnak and Luxor.
1: We did, right? Dendera. Yeah, I knew Dendera. Thank you, uh, Kyle, for the photos. You're
3: welcome, sir. Mm.
1: Yeah. I I spent
3: most of the time we were there trying to capture those photos. It'll be worth it. I can't wait.
1: Yeah. Well, were you duly impressed by what you saw? In spite of the fact that you may not have necessarily understood what was being depicted. Absolutely. I mean
3: yeah, the whole place yeah. is uh, jaw dropping, mind blowing. It's yeah it's just yeah. it's enormous, it's incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I you know, that was my second time there, so I didn't mind spending most of the time in the in the main hall. Uh huh. Yeah. Mine. Yep. Yep. Reviewing my pictures, and I just got into those yesterday. Oh,
0: sorry, no. No, go
2: ahead. Yeah, that was
0: just 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 phenomenal. Reviewing those things and, and seeing what was on the the ceiling there, and and trying to absorb some of those stories. Like you're saying, we don't we don't know exactly what it's saying, but just you know letting the imagination run. Um, just beautiful and intricate and colorful and amazing and uh, you know, in and, and a lot of ways, grateful that it still exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was that was part of the problem I had the first first week. It's like it hurt that so many base places were so damaged. Yeah, so much destruction and it's just in horrible conditions and uh, you know, just just I guess so many stones hauled away to to be built in other other locations, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was something that took me a while to, to, you know, accept that they were just in such horrible condition and that, that you yeah. know, people, people would get in
1: there and destroy that stuff. Yeah, people, yeah, uh, most of that basement that you saw was deliberate. So, I mean, you know, it's basically, you know, 1700 years ago, 1800 years ago, when a lot of that took place. So they had cancel culture back then. That's exactly what that is, it's that same mindset it has been flagging the forward progress and momentum of the human species on this planet for thousands of years, and now we have a, seeing a resurgence of it in our own time, and, uh, as we well know, we've seen what happened lately, which we are going to talk about this tonight, Um, not necessarily right off the bat, right out of the gate, but, um... People probably know I'm referring to the Netflix series oh, yeah. and uh, what, what's what gone down there with the mainstream, the mainstream reaction to it, which is a lesson. A, there are lessons, multiple lessons in there, I think, for all of us to learn who, who are uh, really trying to get to the truth of our own history, because I think what we see there is concerted efforts to actually... Um, obscure the truth of our history. And if that's the case, then it raises the question of why. Because clearly, I think we can say that what's driving the reaction on a lot of these people is not science. If you can read through it, we could look at a few examples. It's not science, because there's no science-based arguments in any of it have, on Graham or the Netflix series. What's driving it is politics. And then that raises the question of why has this been so politicized? What we're seeing is the wokeness, the cancel culture wokeness infecting the halls of academia. And we've already seen that with regards to even the harder science. We've seen it with respect to the whole climate change issue. We've seen it with respect to the pandemic issue. We've seen it with respect to a lot of other things. And we're going to see it with respect to this as well, because I think it's, It's talking to us loud and clear that our factions want to control the narrative, and they feel like if they lose their grasp on any one part of it, the whole rest of it's
0: going to collapse. That's very telling, too, that the responses started even before the show was, the series was released. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. so They were already taking a stance without even knowing what was going to be covered in the series there, Ancient Apocalypse.
1: Well, when you read some of these criticisms, they're actually bragging. Well, I watched three minutes of it, and that's all I needed to watch. You know, they're bragging about it. So, so that's, it, you know, it, it to me it raises some serious questions, because I expected that there would be some some criticism in response to it. But when I saw the extent of it um, and read, I, I went ahead and read seven or eight different attacks on who all I read, uh, interviews and things. And they're basically, like I said earlier, leading up to the show. I think they're all reading from the same script or at least the same talking point. And of course, to say that, then you're going to be guilty. So what they've tried to do is preempt being able to legitimately saying that by proclaiming that anyone who questions the, 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 the dominant narrative of our history is a conspiracy theorist. How many times did you guys see that in some of the, the critiques, if you read them over and over again? Conspiracy theorists. It's only conspiracy theorists who are going to believe Graham Hancock. Right. So, a racist question.
3: Why? Why this vociferous attack? Well, they've been making conspiracy theories out of a lot of people for a long oh, time. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like climate denier.
3: They yeah. throw a
0: label on you, and then the other people that are just fringe paying attention will say, oh, well, and that's what Fox I can put them in, so I can ignore that too. That's a conspiracy theory. I don't know if
1: right that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyways, uh, I think that it would be, uh, the prudent thing to do to at least come to Graham's defense. Because the man has put himself out there on the tip of the sword and he's bearing the brunt of this. And I think it would be, it would be a, a good thing to do to deflect a little bit of that away from him and defend him against these you know, accusations of being a racist, of a white supremacist, et cetera. I mean, that, to me, is pretty damn sleazy, dirty, and below the belt. But what it does show, if you read through in their comments, they don't have it. There's nothing there. There's no rebuttal. There's no reputation of, of anything. There's no counter-argument. No, it's just mere campaigns, through and through. Every critical fallacy in the book is in those responses, the grant. So it's actually a very instructive thing to go through some of that and look for, it's like looking for, uh, where's Waldo? Instead of Waldo, where's the actual...
3: Recording in progress. That's right. Where's the actual
1: science that's, you uh, you know, in any other responses? It ain't there. Come on, cuties. Come on,
3: cuties. Get me fired! You're getting me fired up now, Rob. Good. <laughs> I'm just letting you roll with it, man. Come here. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying to me that they claim that he are stealing the heritage from people by suggesting that they were given knowledge and information. When, in a lot of cases, their own history, they, in their own, yes. own myths, in their own stories, they're saying that. So it's the yeah. opposite. It's like these academics are disregarding their myths and their history as like a bunch of bullshit. That's in their history. Graham is trying to say, like, hey, they're telling it in their own yeah. stories that this is what happened. So yeah, just, so he's, he's being, uh, he's being more true to their, you <laughs> know, to
1: their heritage. That's the thing, if you had any of these pieces, actually, it's it just like, you know, who one of those lead archaeologists, I think we agreed not to even mention his name, yes. who actually responded to the challenge to debate Graham, came up with some lame excuse. He won't do it. <clears throat> And it's some lame excuse, like, hey, I'm a professional and I would be lowering myself if I, you know, were actually going to debate an idea about prehistory. So, but what does he really do? You know, really, all he's doing is showing he, he doesn't have anything. He knows he will come out looking like a fool, And he would. Because he doesn't have anything. I read that entire interview that he did, and there was nothing there. Nothing. I mean, I could actually be supposed to have some of it right here. But if he had something, it would have been there. It wasn't there. You know, so... Okay. Um, and the way, the, 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 the backhanded way they go about it, um, it, it, it it's instructive It's construction we see their, the tactics that they employ. But I personally think it's going to backfire on them. Um, they're feeling a sense of fear and desperation because it became the most popular Netflix in the uh, docu series in the world for a few days right
0: so if they were if they were confident in their position though right wouldn't you think somebody would just take that on take that role or they'd have a little discussion amongst themselves okay well let's let's bury this guy we've we've got all the evidence let's let's take this challenge on and you know put him away but but they won't do it they won't show up that's they, right they, they don't have that so, like, it's more likely they're going to get slammed.
1: Here is the title of communities with The Guardian. You guys are familiar with The Guardian. Yeah. Uber, left-wing. Oh,
3: gosh.
1: Right. Here's the title. The Ancient Absurdities of Ancient Apocalypse, a Netflix show for, and then it has in the stair quotes, free thinkers, promotes a whole lot of, oh, it's hugely popular. Now you think, okay, let's see what specifically is the bump. You go through the interview, and like I said, there is nothing there. And I find it interesting that not only this one here, but that seems to be a regular occurrence throughout these attacks, to use the term "free thinkers in quotes. You know, scare quotes, that's where you're putting the quotes in because what you're saying is that the reality of the use of this word or these this phrase is the exact opposite of how it's being used. Um, so that's what they do. They put it in those in those quotes. There's a current for that. It's and the idea is that they're saying, well, people who listen to them might think they're free thinkers, but they're really not free thinkers. Of course, I don't know if who, what constitutes a free thinker in the, the minds of these people. Um, and then uh, here's here's one of the questions what can you say about the difference between the way academic archaeology approaches evidence and how Graham Hancock does here's the reply Graham Hancock is not and does not want to be seen as a scientist or a historian he is coming from a metaphysical perspective he's inspired by Western esoterica. Okay, now I don't know if this distinguished and learned gentleman who's making this comment has any idea of what Western esoterica actually is, and the fact that it really is, in fact, a rich resource of bona fide information, because the simple fact of our own history is, is very... Much of our, the facts and details of our history had to necessarily be esoteric because there were times you could be earned at the stake, tortured to death, banished to whatever for the crime, being guilty of the crime of heresy. Heresy is thinking and saying things that are not approved by the authorities. Yes, Kyle? Oh, I said it's kind of like today. Exactly. So, right there, you can see he's dismissing the idea of esotericism. Right? Graham as he says he's inspired by Western esotericism. For him, the significance of a lot of this information is sort of intuitive, as an, and is confirmed to him through his personal revelatory experience. Fair enough. But I would say that all science starts with intuition. Am I right? Yeah, Addison. Yeah. yeah. Then he goes on to say, if it seems like in watching the show, his perspective has been influenced by drugs, it's because it has. Well, there we go. Uh, no honest appraisal of the question Graham raises need ensue. suit. We I think that's the core of the resistance right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so, you, that's, you think that's what it I, is, really? I, I don't know. So. I, yeah, I, I think, think, it's, just, it's, just, I think it's, it's I think it's being thrown out there that, another effort to discredit him that, yeah. personally. And by discrediting him personally, you discredit the, 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 the questions he's raised. Yeah. Because that's really all he's doing, is raising questions. He's proposing ideas, but you'll know if you listen to his actual... Uh, his, his narrative that he speaks, he'll use the word, perhaps this happened. Perhaps there was, this. we have to look at the big picture and realize that there are many missing pieces to the puzzle within the mm. mainstream narrative. So then, here's another question asked by the same, affirmatively biased. In reading up on him, I saw that Hancock was once a bit more explicit about the idea that these speakings who supposedly spread across the world to disseminate their ideas as their own civilization was dying were white.
3: Huh.
1: In this series, that's not part of things. Has he adjusted the way he presents this? So here's here's the response from the distinguished professor. If you research Graham Hancock and look at his books over time as I have. Apparently he never looked at the the references or bibliography in the back of the book. I'm guessing that he says he looked at the books over time. I'm looking at guessing that maybe he went to a bookstore and saw a book on the shelf by Graham Hancock and looked at it momentarily. Okay. And look at his books over time as I have. One of the things that you discover about him is that he self edits. He doesn't use the word Atlantis now, except very sparingly, because, of course, all you have to do in the eyes of the mainstream academics is even mention the word Atlantis in any kind of context other than rote dismissal, and you're immediately a pseudoscientist, a fringe theorist, all the names that go along with it. Okay, he doesn't use the word Atlantis now, except very sparingly. He has also edited himself since 1995 when, in Fingerprints of the Gods, he came out and said that it was an ancient white civilization. He didn't actually say that. What he did do, though, was report that there were a lot of indigenous peoples whose own stories would suggest that they had interaction with white people at some point, Caucasian people. But... Now never mind the fact that their own tradition suggests that. If you even bring that up, look what's happened to Grant the labels that have been flung at him. Um, so he no longer he no longer says uh, in any quote the white part in the series but if you pay careful attention, he does talk about in quote heavily spirited questionquas who arrives, according to myth, to give the gift of knowledge, but he doesn't mention the other part of the story, which all of us know about, which is that this visitor opposes the cat-like huh. so, uh I had a comment about that. Graham is guilty of self-editing? That's a charge placed against him. As if, Every single author, researcher, scientist, and scholar doesn't do exactly the same thing as time passes, and they learn more and gain greater insight into the subject matter of their research. Am I right? But if Graham does, oh, now this is something that can be used against him. Assuming, you know, that he has learned something in his research since 1995 and amended his perspective in his viewpoint. But if he does that and expresses it, well, now that's something that can be used to undermine his credibility. So then, um, notice how he says also the fact that, quote, all of us know about visitors to Central and South America having white skins and beards. It's a deceitful admission by this guy, right? Because his sole purpose is to undermine Graham's reputation by tarring him as a racist. While not overtly acknowledging the traditions of the indigenous peoples themselves, you notice how he sidestepped it. He didn't say anywhere that this was the people... The, like you just said before we before we went live, Russ. It, it, it
3: was the indigenous people's own tradition
1: yes. that suggested this,
3: right? Um,
1: uh,
3: yeah. So, the, I mean, the question we've always, Kyle and I, have asked many times on our show is, you know, is when we're talking about this kind of stuff is, cause we've been accused of the same thing, not, obviously not in anywhere level as Graham is being attacked for ancient apocalypse, but we've been accused before by people of, of some kind of racism because we're stealing heritage from people by suggesting there may be, uh, an injection of technology or, you know, a different culture or maybe a much older one. Never discussing skin color at all. But the point is like, it seems like the, the, to dismiss the, the, the local legends and myths, the mythology and the and legends of the, of the people there as being just, you know, it's not true, uh, is more racist than, you know, than yeah. suggesting, well, their stories say that they that people came over and gave them tech. You know, it doesn't matter what color their skin is. That really yeah. isn't the, the, the discussion. No. But they want to focus on that. So, I don't know. It's just... It's, the whole thing to me it just well then he goes on okay take this out okay. so, uh, so he
1: continues with his response to the interview by describing William's methodology and here's the quote again it's similar to the way that Donald Trump operates huh
3: wow yeah. it was a oh, great show go. You wanna, it was yeah, one of the wanna, best Netflix shows Everybody come out. I've seen a lot of Netflix shows. Hey! This was one of the best <laughs> in all of ancient history.
1: Let's go! All you gotta do if you want to discredit someone is just somehow <laughs> connect them or associate them with Donald Trump. It's ah. similar to the way Donald Trump operates. He will get to the edge of something, but he won't say it because he knows his followers already know it. He can say, I didn't say that, and he didn't say that, but everyone knew what he said because it was already known. There's the answer. So basically all of Graham's followers already know that Graham is imp- is implying racism. But he doesn't actually have to say it because all of us followers, we already know him. See? Now, how interesting that it's these same people that are accusing fans of Graham's work, or people who are at least even open-minded about his work, of being the conspiracy theorist. And so, uh, anyhow, the interviewer, uh, she, I, I skipped a lot of it, but so the interviewer sums up her obliviousness with this final comment and question. What's interesting to me about this series getting super popular on Netflix is that I'm not sure what percentage of the people who are watching it know that the theory of Atlantis used to be, or sometimes still is, that kind of a theory. I think I can imagine the answer to this question. That kind of a theory. Meaning, of course... That it's a racist theory. No mention of Plato, of course, or dialogues. Because I'm sure that this woman has never read Plato's dialogues at all. She certainly hasn't seen my eight hour uh, dissertation and discussion on Atlantis. Um, so then I just, I, I like that phraseology, that kind of a theory. The theory of Atlantis. So somebody
3: tell me, what is the theory of Atlantis? Well, Right. I don't even know. What, yeah, what is that? What, exactly what is the theory of at man? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so, so this she continues with this hackneyed
1: line of questions. This is what she says. What are the states of this show being popular on Netflix? I mean, what's the states of this show being popular on Netflix? For what our sense of what science is, it's just more disinformation a term that we've heard a whole lot of in the last couple of years, haven't we? And it's more distrust of expertise. You can't have the experts distrusted because they are omniscient about all things related to the human story on planet Earth. But then she asked the distinguished professor, what would you say are the stakes for archaeology? And uh, Anyways, this is what he says. Uh, the biggest states right now in the United States are what happens to academic archaeology. If university administrators and students and alumni begin demanding that departments of anthropology and archaeology at the university support this line of thinking. So People cannot be allowed to indulge in this line of thinking. Meaning what? Meaning anybody who questions, that 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 looks into the into the subject of our own story on on this planet and realizes that there's a whole lot of missing pieces. Yeah. That line of thinking. That line of thinking cannot be allowed in our
3: institutions of higher learning. Right. Or maybe maybe they mean white supremacist thinking I don't know but yeah it's either it's, it's, it's weird that that they would say something like that like we can't allow questions you know I think it's time to refer serious to the atlantis problem well yeah I mean yeah
1: you know again no rational discussion of atlantis is actually allowed right all you have to do is mention that word outside the framework of academic and you're immediately a crank and a crackpot and a yeah so the one that really got me so the one that I just read from you I think that was in Slate this is the one that was from Guardian by um it's entitled Ancient (laughs) Ancient Ancient Apocalypse is the most dangerous show on Netflix right I did see that one yeah yeah and here's the subheading, a show with a truly preposterous theory is one of the streaming giant's biggest hits, and it seems to exist solely for conspiracy theorists. And here he asks the question, uh, why has this been allowed? Huh. Why has this been allowed? So this is this is what's passing well, through the back. Here? I mean
0: they don't want us to know the truth. Okay. Obviously.
1: It exists solely for conspiracy theorists, so there's that.
0: Um so I, to,
1: my sure. response was think about what you just heard. Why has this been allowed? Is this what journalism has degenerated into? Apparently yeah. to this guy, the author of this article, uh, the problem here is that no self-appointed obviously endowed authority could be to disallow the area of this show. Now, would I be exaggerating if I call these people totalitarians in their thinking? I don't Remember what what Mao, Stalin, and all the rest of these dictators, one of the first things they do? They keep control of the narrative. And no one is allowed to step outside the, the bounds that have been permitted, the bounds of permissible lines of thinking. This is what he goes on to say. This his ignominious near campus. This presents something of a mystery because the show closely resembles the sort of half-baked filler documentary that one of the lesser discovery channels would slap up at 3 a.m. between shows about plane crashes and fascist architecture. Ancient, ancient Apocalypse obviously has an audience, but who on earth is it? Uh, fortunately, he goes on to say, you don't have to watch for long to find out. In quick succession, during the pre-show s- sizzle reel, we are treated to a clip of the show's host, Graham Hancock, being interviewed by it. Joe Rosen. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now we know right who right we there. All you need to do is watch that pre show sizzle reel, and when you see Joe Rogan, quick, turn it off. <clears throat> huh? What more proof do you need that ancient apocalypse is preposterous, <laughs> to use the, the word in the title? <laughs> so, this journalistic imposter then goes on to say this, end quote. Finally, we have an answer. Ancient Apocalypse must be a TV program made exclusively for people who like to shout at you on Twitter. Huh. All right, all of you folks out there that are listening to us right now and watch this show, in case you were having any uh, questions about your own self-identity, well, this has things answered for you. You are nothing more than a person that likes to shout at people on Twitter. <laughs>
3: you should definitely go shout at them. They're shouting at us in the comments <laughs> right now. <laughs> are they? Hi, <laughs> my name. Cooking, cooking? <laughs> well, So,
1: um, and then here we go. So a wave of his arm. That's all it takes. A wave of his arm. The pathetic excuse of a journalist dismissing missing. A lifetime of work and research by someone whose credibility, I would say, stands immeasurably immeasurably above his own. So he continues with his tedious analysis. Quote, these people, referring to everybody who, you know, tuned in and watched Netflix, these people are Hancock's bread and butter. The, quote, free thinkers, there we go again, Freethinkers, in scare quotes, who, through some bizarre quirk of nature, are often more perennially outraged than anyone else on Earth. So, know this about yourself. You're also perennially more outraged than anyone else on Earth. And this is why you bought the Netflix, too.
3: Um, they seem pretty mad about this. The author. The author. They seem fairly (laughs) upset.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then, (laughs) I don't like that to scare quotes on anything relating to free. I know. Freedom, free thinking, free acting. Right. You know, free talking and, you know, what the heck is he coming from to scare people like you're not supposed to be free? Good question. I, I don't like it. So who's, 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 I, I want to yell on Twitter, and I haven't been on Twitter in two
3: years. <laughs> ah, <laughs> my yeah, crank it up and go shout at him. <laughs> all,
1: yeah, let's all get Twitter together again. and shout. Right. I say I, We'll get this guy. Uh, we'll all. Uh, what should we do? We'll get
3: him on Zoom or something. We'll get him. <laughs> Watch Netflix. We'll all. No, we get him on Twitter. Right? Yeah, yeah. Go to go to their Twitter account and just shout it. All caps oh. and everything you say. Oh my so here's, here's his summary. Okay. Hancock,
1: I, just, I mean, how anybody could believe this is, is impossible to understand. Hancock believes that an advanced, I say civilization, and I'm going to pause there for one reason, is because first of all, they use the term advanced all the time, but never uh, defined or clarified by the of what you actually mean by advance. Now, use it now You get know, my point is that, that the word advanced, what do you mean by that? The the entire question existence or not, any mm-hmm. pre organized culture, similar. Am I right? So, what do we mean by advanced? You know, what, like we always joke with, uh, uh how, uh, my normal guy, my normal guy. You know, are they having, you know, laser guns and crystal spaceships, or are they just, uh, you know, capable of navigating the world and having an understanding of engineering and archae- uh, astronomy? I mean, we have to define. I mean, the first thing you do in any kind of scientific discussion is you define your terms. They never define what they mean by a ed- ed- Sam. Okay, so let's go back. Hancock believes in an advanced, high Age civilization responsible for teaching humanity concepts such as math, plural, architecture and agriculture was <laughs> wiped out in a giant flood brought about by multiple comet strikes about 12,000 years ago. There are signs everywhere you look, he said. To prove this, he spends an entire television series looking everywhere. So apparently, I'm guessing this, uh, this particular journalist either doesn't believe in or has absolutely no knowledge about any of the, the main issues in questions. And well, then I... may th- also believe
0: that everything on TV or that it's streamed is absolutely true.
1: Mm-hmm. So I would say he's plainly blind to the fact that the evidence is fantastic. Is everywhere. I mean, as we've been trying to demonstrate on this podcast, I mean, I'd say we've made a pretty good start. But there's a whole lot more places we haven't talked about and documented on this
3: podcast than the places we have talked about and looked at. Um, He's also definitely British, right? That's why he said "mask." Okay, Uh, I think that's how they say it. uh, It's not just one. It's not just one mask, Randall. It's all of them. Massive. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well it's Guardian UK, right?
1: So there yeah, you go. Sure. yeah. So I would comment that this guy is oblivious to the fact that the evidence for multiple common strikes place like the Holocene boundary. The severe global environmental consequences is is overwhelmingly supported by an enormous body of research and multidisciplinary evidence amassed by dozen of highly credentialed accomplished scientists. Now, it seems to me that the idea of uh of atomic strikes, of giant floods, I mean, isn't that right at the core of this whole discussion? I mean, that's the idea is that there were catastrophic events that may have obscured the archeological record in ways we haven't realized yet. But what they do is they act like this is not even an issue. I mean, they if you go through all of the various attacks on the series, on Graham, all they do is they mention, oh, like there was supposedly a giant flood, there was supposedly you know, comet impact, Um but I would like to read a a quote here from some of the leading paleohydrologists, and we've had this quote in our show before. Um, As I say uh, that he's oblivious to the fact that gigantic floods have indeed swept over the surface of the Earth, large swaths of the Earth's surface. During precisely the same geological epoch, and to try to put put some context in this, those who have been regular listeners to this podcast are going to know exactly what we're talking. About. People who've been on the tours with us and, and who, you know, engaged in this know exactly that, re, that, that the reality, the geological reality is that yes, yeah, there have been what you could describe as biblical scale floods engulfing large regions of the Earth's surface. So I like this quote from Victor, and I know Brad likes it, Victor Baker, Guru Kamutsu, and Sharon Flute, who wrote in 1995 in, in a seminal paper, and I quote, recently identified, twice the theme, blood species, indicate that planetary scale movement of water has been a major agent in shaping the landscape of our planet. So let that sink. Planetary, planetary scale movement of walls. What does that mean? And what does that mean for whatever humans were doing on the earth when that happened? And that it happened in the same geological period as overwhelming evidence for the occurrence of multiple comets. So, even so, that is a cornerstone of this, of the whole quest, we're going to just ignore it. We're just going to pretend it, you know. Oh, well, it's supposedly all this happened. But we don't need to actually address it. We don't need to consider it in our thinking or in our dismissal of these quests of the standard conventional narrative. So then, can
3: well, I break in here? Absolutely. Is there, is, is, so you see some of this uh, similar kind, but you know, in a slightly different vein, of resistance to the Comet Research Group stuff. Yes, and I feel like it's all tied together. Like there's, new right, there's, there's a more and more of a desperation. Exactly. Uh, because if that one thing about just the, the, the change from the Pleistocene to the Holocene becomes part of accepted standard science then there's a whole lot of stuff that falls apart and has to completely be rethought you've got that right right and so all of it's part of it's all in the same piece like they I think that they see this and this is why there's so many attacks and it keeps getting more and more um you know just just slandered I guess yeah 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 Yeah. slandered yep
1: so then, go ahead Brad Well, I just mentioned to
0: you you the other day an article that I had read where they were assessing, well, we don't even need to address this. All all these theories have already been discredited, right? But they've been discredited before there was evidence for the Younger Dryas impact. Right, and before there was actual factual uh science behind there being issued catastrophe. Yeah. So yeah. like you're like you're saying, yeah, they they're gonna have to go back and redo their work and everybody else's work because they didn't take into account